the best in the world. I've been the best ever since day one on this microphone, in that ring, even in commentary. And trust me when I tell you, I am the hottest property in this industry today. Nobody can touch me. The only thing that's real is me, day in and day out. I am the best in the world. Do I have everybody's attention now? Hill like a boogie down street. January was my valley in December. I peaked. Dropped my first EP by myself. I was geeked. Time flies. Was on cloud nine just last week. Lost my focus. Brain scattered like shattered dreams. Discipline dissipated. My search stopped for a better means. There's no one to blame. Self-destruction runs in my genes. Growth stunted. No longer feel like I'm in my teens. Clock struck 12. My bends turned into a pumpkin. Have a thirst for Starbucks, but my palate's used to Dunkin'. Hate this time of year. Mind marathon running. Today's day 11 out of 11. Vacation time is done in. What up, people? I said, what up, people? How's everyone doing out there? I know y'all doing great because. I said y'all doing great. I know y'all doing magnificent because so am I. Ha ha ha. Welcome to the return edition of the Salty Thoughts of Mike Steph podcast featuring the one and only Mike Steph, best in the world of what he does. Yeah, man. And for one night, one night, one night only, the return of the Spousy Chief. Those who know, know. Those who don't, look in the archives and you'll be glad you did. Yes, 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 yes. I'm back from a two-week sabbatical. I'm back recording this episode on the last day of my 11 days of relaxation. And I am back to give the masses what y'all truly need and what y'all truly, truly, truly deserve. And you know what y'all truly deserve? That's moi, me, and Stitch, but mostly me. I'm going to let y'all know what's on deck this week. And then I'm going to let y'all know what I did, what I actually end up doing on these 11 days 
of relaxation. I'm going to be talking about WWE's PLE offering. The Elimination Chamber emanating from Perth, Australia. This past Saturday. This past Saturday morning to be exact. It was a slightly less than robust four matches on the main card, which I will go through. I will discuss my feelings on that four match card. I would discuss my feelings on the banter that I witnessed on social media, particularly right after the ending of that PLE offering. And um, yeah, that's what's going to be on deck this week. I'm going to be talking about wrestling, not talking about no football, because my last episode was Super Bowl recap. So guess what? Ain't no more football. So I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about the NBA because they're just getting back in gear off their all-star break, which is a debacle in itself. But I'm not going to talk about that because anybody talked about that last week. And even though my Mets, yeah, I actually said Mets instead of Mets. My Mets are in the middle of actually gaining another victory in the, sh- in the beginning of their spring training schedule. Uh, guess what? It's spring training. So I ain't talking about them either or the injuries or my lack of faith that this season is going to be meaningful. So, yeah, I'm not talking about that. This week will be a wrestling century episode. But before I get into that and before I get into my personal recap of my vacation, yeah, that's right. Guess what? On this show, my needs go first. That's why I got chapters down down below. If y'all look at the chapters, y'all look at the description, and y'all decide, oh, do I feel like to- do I feel like hearing him talk about the men's elimination chamber? Guess what? The chapter. Do I feel like him talking about Nia Jax versus Rhea Ripley first? Guess what? Press the chapter. Do I feel like t- hearing him talk about Hater of the Year, who will be named later? Yes, guess what? Press the chapter. If you feel like indulging me on what I deem to be numero uno, number one, on this episode, stay right here. And don't press the chapter. But guess what? All that is smorgasbord for all y'all to use. But while I'm thinking of it, because I'm looking at dead in my face, this is Black History Month. February 26, 2024. And I actually got this out the archives. Something I've been actually looking for for two years. It wasn't the fact that I didn't want it. I just misplaced it. And I was doing some spring tr- spring cleaning, me and the missus. And I found the nation. The nation of domination. Nation of domination sweater. And if anybody asks me, where did you get that? Where did you get that? Where did you get that? I can tell you where I got it from. Can't tell you where you're going to be able to get it from. Because guess what? It's no longer available. I got it from the Good Brothers of the BRP, the Black Wrestling Podcast. The homies, Matt, Cal, Fam, Queen Mimi, Salute. Every Thursday, BRP Live, 835 on Eastern Standard Time. This is one of the beautiful, the beautiful, the beautiful uh, offerings that they've come out with over the years and 
being the fact that I just said, I've been looking for this for two years, came out three years ago, and it's no longer available. This is, in my at least in my household, a one of one. Number four, none to come. But yeah, so that was my double, that was my way of celebrating black history and celebrating the Godfather, Mark Henry, The Rock, Brooke, and D-Lo Brown. You know, it's funny. This originated and this has turned into this or in The Rock's case, this. <laughs> like, what the? Anyway. Next up the bat, next up, um, it's actually a little promotion. Today marks the beginning of a two-lane road, not a road to WrestleMania. No, 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 no. A two-lane road to two marquee moments in the history of the Salty Thoughts of Mike Steph podcast, or just in general, the Salty Thoughts podcast. This is episode 43. Episode 43 since my rebrand last year. Or this is a shout out to my sister because I know she's probably like, my dear brother just stopped talking in Spanish. You know, that was a special shout out for me. So in honor of her, this is episode. What episode is this? I didn't hear you. What you said? 43. Yeah. Episode 43. 43. This is the road to number 50. Yes. A half a man, if you will. This is also a road to a very, very, very important landmark in the history of the Salty Thoughts of Mike Steph, the Salty Thoughts of Donnie Ooh, just the Salty Thoughts of me personally. This is the road to 200. They will be reached concurrently to actually have 200 episodes of a podcast. I find that to be outstanding. I find that to be worth celebrating. And I got about, well, after this, I got about what? 44, 45, 46, 47, 48, 49, 50. I got seven episodes after this one to figure out how I'm going to celebrate on that occasion. Next week will actually be the one-year anniversary of the rebranding of the Salty Thoughts of Mike Steph. Because if you don't pat yourself on the back, who else is going to pat you, pat you on the back? Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's what's that's what's really going to be. Um, we're we're embarking on that road. Um, last last year, in the last year, a lot of recollection, which I will not be getting into on this episode. But in the last year, I've had guests after guests after guests. Who am I fooling? I've had. The good brother Tyler McDowell twice. He's a two-time, two-time, two-time. Even though I said it three times, guest on the sorts of door to Mike Steph. I had my lovely wife, 
on this episode. I've had cameos from my lovely daughters. I've had my son on here. So who will be? Who, 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 who will be on that very special duplicitous episode? Episode 200 and episode 50 concurrently. Only one way to find out, and that's to keep tuned, keep in tune with Switch and Mike stuff. So I'll be right back. My wife is going to kill me, but I put this on the screen for those of y'all that are listening to the audio version. I'm sorry. Check out the YouTube version. You'll see exactly what I'm talking about. I put on the screen a picture of me and my lovely wife um, out and about this past, uh, well, last week on our anniversary, our 25th anniversary. Our 25th anniversary was special. Yes, it was special. You want to know why it was special? Because I spent it with my wife. That's not, that's not a rumor. That's a spoiler. <laughs> but no. Um, last week, we trekked down to Maryland. Um, for a family gathering that coincided with our 25th anniversary. And we went out to dinner. Uh, seafood spot down there. Uh, Jimmy's Famous Seafood. Yeah, down in Baltimore. Not gonna lie. Good-ass food. Like, really good-ass food to the point that we ate there twice. First time we sat and we had smorgasbord of food. Which, you know what? Normally I don't do this, but fuck it. I'm going to do this. So, it was a it was it was a quartet. It was me, my wife, my lovely wife to be exact, my beautiful mother-in-law, and her friend. So, we sit down. First time we're there, you know, so we're we're looking at the menu and we're trying to figure out, darn, there's a lot of stuff we want to try. And I'm like, look, it's my anniversary. Epic. We're gonna try whatever the I feel like trying. Cause I'm who knows who knows next time I'm gonna actually come down here. Who knows that next time I'm gonna come down here for for anything? I might pass through, but like I've been to Baltimore twice or the outskirts of Baltimore that Suburbs of Baltimore, Whit Whitlawn, I believe. I was there for our cousin's wedding, and we just went down there for the same cousin's baby shower. Shout out to y'all, love y'all. So, at this point in time, we're like, all right, we had a we had a wedding, we got a shower. When's the next time we going down here? What another shower? Look, I'm not I'm not speaking it up, I'm not speaking it up, but I'm just saying. So either way, so I'm like, you know what? To make it easier on the waitress due to some extenuating situations, which I will not get into publicly because I am not putting my foot in my mouth and getting and end up having a foot in my ass. I figured it would be easier for the waitress 
to like cut down on the communication to a certain degree to give her our whole spread and she could bring it out in steps. So I figured, okay, these are what we want for the appetizers. These are what we want for our entrees. And you just stagger them out. Okay, fine. We get so we give them the whole thing. And I'm looking at them like, you understand? She's like, she give me the knowing sign, like, yeah, I understand what you're talking about. No problem. Do you know this airheaded broad brought out everything backwards? My mother-in-law is like, Mike, I think she's gonna bring out all the food at once. And that's not how my mother-in-law talks, but just bear with me. And I'm like, nah, 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 nah. She told me she was. Sure enough, she brings my mother-in-law's friend a salad. Okay. Then all of a sudden, we start seeing people in the back. They're bringing like a cart. Because like I said, we've got a smorgasbord for the shit. They're bringing out the cart. And I look. Now, mind you, the people that sat next to us, they already got their, they already got their food. They're eating. And they got their after us. That's what made my mother-in-law say what she said. Sure enough, they come out with steak, crab cakes. Uh, What else? Steak, crab cakes, the stuffed shrimp, uh, fries. Then they brought out the crab cake egg roll. I'm like, okay. Then the calamari. I'm like, okay. And last but not least, you know what the last thing they brought out? Which should have been the first thing they brought out. The sushi. So when I see all this, my face just goes like, because I'm I'm not lying. I'm not gonna lie. I'm a little irritated. It took me five hours to get down there because of traffic on a Friday afternoon, Friday evening. It's impending snow, so I'm trying to get out of the restaurant before it snows because the restaurant's like a half hour away from the hotel. I don't know how Baltimore gets down. I don't know how Maryland gets down. I know how New York gets down with snow, and sometimes they fumble the ball. I'm not trying to be on I-95 or Route 6, whatever, in the snow. So I'm trying to get in there and get out. And then I'm just like, all right, fine. So we end up eating. I'm now having to make business decisions like, all right, What's probably in my best interest to eat now, and what it probably be in my best interest to lead to lead to later, so I can maybe warm back up in the hotel room. So I'm eating backwards. So I'm eating the steak and the crab cake first. Then I'm trying the calamari. Then I'm trying the egg roll, which everything was. I'm not gonna lie, everything was great. Everything was great. We get home, well, we get to the hotel room, and um, long story short, great time was had by all, but I already know I was going to be, I, I've been self-indulgent since the Super Bowl. So my diet that I've been so proud of, I kind of deviated 
off the path. So luckily, the hotel had an exercise room. And guess what the hell I did? Me and the missus got on a treadmill about past midnight. And went on that treadmill for about 45 minutes to an hour. And to my missus' credit, she kept up with me. I started at three. After three and a half. Then I did four. Then I did four, four and change. Every time I went up, she went up. And I got something that I never experienced before. And you know what that was? I'll tell you. I've experienced this phenomenon that, tell you the truth, I've been chasing like a cracket. Pause. There ain't no pause. Run is high. And people are like run is high. Yeah, I didn't know there was a thing. I didn't know it was such a thing either. I got off the I got off the tr treadmill, and when I say my head was saying the clouds, it's like yo, I feel great. This shit is fantastic. I was lit for the rest of the night. I don't drink. I don't smoke. But I was lit. Talk to the cousin, talk to a cousin, talk to cousin K. And I was telling him about my my experience. He was like, Yo, Mike, your cuz, yo, you which core you you gotta run as high. I said, What? I said the run is high. I'm like, huh? He was like, Yeah, you know, when you when you when you run for when you run for a, a which score a, a certain amount of time at a certain speed, your heart rate, your heart rate, which score is is revved up. So it releases it releases all the endorphins. It releases all the dopamine in you, and it goes pretty much you get a head rush, a safe head rush. But that's why that's why a lot of people like running. It could be 20, 20 degrees. Need running, and you want to know why? Because they chasing that eye. And I'm like, damn. And you know what I did the next day? The next night I went down there twelve o'clock. And I got on that treadmill and I did that. I went change. <laughs> no running tie though. It's all good. But I needed to get the calories. Need to burn the calories. But yeah. Um, I'm gonna get this show on the road. Part two of my 11 day extravaganza will be at the end of this episode because I just realized I'm 22 minutes in and I haven't talked a lick about wrestling. So with all that being said, let's get this show on the road, huh? Without further ado. Good night. Wow. And goodbye. Back. The Elimination Chamber, as I said in the beginning, eliminated from Perth, Australia. For those of us on the Eastern Standard Time, it started at 5 a.m. But before I get into that, I got a little special surprise, Sister Ooh. Camara de Eliminación. What, the, what, what did you just say? Camara de eliminación. I, I didn't hear you. Camara de eliminación. Yeah. That's Elimination Chamber in Spanish. In Espanol. Yeah. The first match was Becky Lynch stamping her ticket to WrestleMania this year to fight for the world, the women's world championship by winning the Elimination Chamber. But it's funny because 
if anybody saw this match, they would know Becky Lynch was not the star of this match. The returning Raquel Rodriguez was not the star of this match. Unfortunately, the returning Naomi was not the star of this match, where I will get to get into very shortly. Liv had a spot. Bianca is always a star. But the star of this match was Tiffany Stratton. Tiffany Stratton. Um, call up from NXT, former NXT Women's Champion. And by the looks of things, look like she is on the fast track to the upper tier, the top tier in the women's division. Becky Lynch. Okay, matter of fact, let me start like this. The match started. The match started with Becky and with Naomi. And I was listening, and, and, and part of this is my fault because I've no I should know by now that there's an inherent bias when it comes to certain wrestling entities, certain wrestling reporting entities, such as the wrestling observer, such as individuals such as Brian Alvarez, Dave Melter, but my I'll have my I my beef with him is totally different than Alvarez because sometimes I think there's an underlying premise, there's an underlying current when it comes to his critiques on certain wrestlers. I guarantee you, if this first five minute salvo between Naomi and Becky Lynch happened in AEW he would have said it was the greatest thing since sliced bread but he's like yeah you know Naomi you know the, she was slow she was uh, you know the first five minutes were, were, were dragging uh, they just they just didn't you know but he was kind of like focusing on it was Naomi's fault that the first five minutes that Mano y mano with her and the man didn't seem like it clicked. I would be apt to agree if we hadn't seen a long sample of her holding her own outside of the WWE bubble. In TNA, she's the four. She's the former TNA Knockouts Champion. She went, and it was said on commentary that Naomi came back with the renewed confidence, with the found confidence, with the increased confidence of, look, I accomplished shit without y'all. Now I'm back to reclaim or to claim the spot that I felt I should have deserved. I deserved years ago and that i agree with 
but two but two statements can be true. And this and I and, and I'm really fighting myself because I don't want I don't even want this to come out the wrong way. But Naomi's I, I, I don't know who to blame. I I may I part of me wants to put it on Becky because it did seem like Naomi was a gear slower than everybody else once everybody else started coming into the frame. I don't know if it was Becky calling the spots. I don't know if it was set up that way. But I will say that Naomi did not start to shine in her respect until other people started coming in. But with all that being said, how the fuck is Naomi going to be eliminated before any before everybody got out their chamber? This is something that I was scared was going to happen if and when Naomi returned, was the fact that they were going to slot her pretty much back to where she left off. Now, I will say, with this new regime, I will say there is room for advancement. It's not like, all right, you're in this slot and this is where you're going to be. but this combined with where they had her at in the in the Roy Rumble kind of confirmed my thoughts that yeah, they're pretty much putting her back in the slot that she left at, and it's really gonna be incumbent on her to rise above that slot. Is it fair foul? I'm kind of slight, I'm slightly erring on foul, but I think that's what it's that that's what it is. She started out the Rumble. I think she was number two in the Rumble. She had a long time in the Rumble. I think she was down to last, maybe final four, but there was nothing impactful. And you got to remember, these matches are planned out, meaning people are going, people are scheduled to get their shine. They're going to get their spots to spots to shine same way as tiffany tippy time tiffany stratton had her had her time to shine in this elimination chamber first of all there's no denying tiffy's over she's over like wolver combination of just her uh just a, a personality, the way she's bring forth this char character, her charisma. Also, a lot of times the overseas crowds, pretty much they don't, they don't, they're not being dictated to. They dictate how they feel. And she was over in Australia. So much so that if you really think about it, this elimination chamber only had one true heel. Think about it. You have Bianca, who's a face. Naomi, who's a face. Becky, who's a face. Liv, who's a face that's straddling that line, so to speak. Raquel, 
who's a face. Tiffy. She's a heel. Anybody who went against Tiffy got booed by the crowd in purse. When Tiffy was eliminated by Liv Morgan later on in the match, there was loud boos and there was a loud chant of, this is bullshit. Or bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. She was over. Part of the reason she was over in this match, besides her charisma, besides the fact that the crowd was on it, she had designed shine spots. The the, the centaur off the top of the pod. Spot. The numerous flips. The somersault. Elbows. Spots. She was designed to, sp- to shine. And to her credit, she took those those spots, and she ran with it. Raquel was the designated power horse, the powerhouse. And she, to me, personally, she was a sympathetic figure in this match because she had just returned from a couple months hiatus due to an illness that she's been stricken with that actually reared its head in the travel over to Perth um, it's uh, it's like a darn, I forgot the name of it. it's uh, mass match it's pretty much like a allergic reaction immune system disease disorder that she has and um, she came out all natural because she, she was even saying she didn't know if it was the makeup that that uh irritated she didn't know if it was the long flight that that brought it up but she was bound and determined to um make this return and follow through with her return and she did so and to me that was a little sympathetic factor on my on my part because i'm like wow as soon as she came out you could tell darn she must have had a flare up but she's she's persevering she's battling through salute But once again, how did Naomi get eliminated before, I believe, before Raquel and Bianca were even in the fray? Like, this match wasn't laid out to the point that you couldn't have all six people in there at the same time. This is going to be something to be, that, that, that B is watching. I don't really want her to um, fall back into a tag team partner situation, even though that might be the way that she might have to um, carve out her airtime. But this 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 situation bears looking at. Now, when it came to Liv, Liv, I'll give Liv some props here because. I'm not going to say I was, I've was i been a Liv Morgan detractor, but she has improved over the years. I remember I was very, very much against Liv Morgan when it looked like they, was trying to, they were trying to put her in Bianca's spot after the 26-second debacle at SummerSlam 2022 against Becky, and all of a sudden it became... Becky and Liv and Bianca was off to the side, but that happened. We saw where that led to, and 
Liv has carved out a spot to herself. In this match, uh, it was it was interesting that it was a little bit swerve that they had Liv pin Bianca and then had Bianca then had Becky pin Liv. There was a sequence at the end in which Becky and Bianca were going back and forth, and Bianca had Becky ready for the for the oh, why am I blanking? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Um, not the TKO. Damn, I I, I don't had a had a had a ready for the finisher. And Becky slivered out. And then Liv came back and scooped up and rolled up Bianca. For the one, two, three. The KOD, duh. Then, as soon, like, within five seconds, Liv turns around. Becky catches her with the manhandle slam for the one, two, three, and she's off to WrestleMania to face Rhea Ripley. The one thing about this chamber match that um, took me out of it to a certain degree because the action was great. It's just the fact that going into it, having them have Becky and Rhea have face-off after face-off, having them front and center at the WrestleMania kickoff a couple weeks ago in Vegas or in Super Bowl week, you kind of you pretty much figured where you knew that it was already set in stone. The only variation would have been for them to have Bianca and Rhea, which interestingly enough, we still don't, we still haven't had, and we're still on the menu. It goes back to 2021 Rory Rumble when they were the last two in the Rory Rumble and Bianca came out on top. Last year, when Rhea won the Royal Rumble, we thought she was going to pick Bianca. She picked Charlotte. So this year, we're like, well, Bianca, she really, where's her path? Becky's been there, done that. Bianca and Rhea, to me, is reminiscent of the dream matchup or the matchup that people dreamed of back in the day with Cena and Batista. They came up around the same time and it was always on opposite ends of the spectrum until they finally clashed. To me, that's that's what parallels the rise of Bianca and Rhea. But then you have Becky coming in to go against Rhea. Are they trying to allow Rhea to catch up to Bianca as in the amount of horsewomen they slayed. Bianca slayed Sasha or Mercedes first. Then she slayed Bailey. Then at WrestleMania, she slayed Becky. The only one left for her is Charlotte. Now, Rhea seemed like she's doing it in reverse. She did Charlotte last year. Now she has Becky this year. 
Is Becky going to win? Who knows? Bailey is already tied with Io, Io Shirai, and the damage control breakup. And um, even though I'll probably talk about that at a later date, if Bailey doesn't leave out of WrestleMania as the champion, there's going to be some, some questions that need to be had. Because um, tell you the truth, this lead up to WrestleMania when it comes to Bailey has me scratching my head over and over and over again, like ding dong, hello. Do y'all know what y'all have on your hands? Y'all have the role model. Y'all have. Y'all have Miss Pamela. Y'all better get y'all better get right. You better get right. But yeah, Becky Lynch wins. So it sets up Rhea and Becky. Rhea had to had to hold up her end of the bargain. And hold up her end of the bargain, she did. And we'll talk about that later. But the, but on a scale of, you know what? I never do this, but we're going to introduce this now. On a scale of one to five salt shakers, I'll give this women's elimination chamber match four and a half salt, sh- salt shakers. Four and a half salt shakers. Listen. I don't give out fives like it's going out of style. I don't give out fives like I'm doing a roll call. I don't give out fives like I'm being introduced at a basketball game. No, 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 no. So four and a half soul shakers is very good for me, especially with the inaugural soul shaker mix because that just came out the noggin just now. So, on to the next one. Next up on the docket. The Judgment Day retained the tag team titles against the New Catch Republic. The team of Tyler, Strong by Bates, and Pete Dunn, the Bruiser Rate. Before I get into what I thought about this match, I got to tell y'all something. New Catch Republic? New Catch Republic? What kind of corny-ass name is that? I think about it. The New Catch Republic. Like, I guess I guess they don't want to go by the name of British Strong Style, but that was a better name than the New Catch Republic. Like, that sounds like a gentrified uh, coffee shop name, like New Catch Republic. Like, that sounds like a, a promo from back in the 80s when they tried New Coke. You know, when it was Coca-Cola, then it was like, no, we're not dealing with Coca-Cola. We got the new fa- We got the new formula, New Coke or Coke. Coke is it. The Coke Society. New Coke. New Catch Society. Uh, it's uh, Anyway, this match between Damian Priest and Finn Balor and Pete Dunne and Tyler Bate was I think they went around 17 18 minutes a lot of close near falls there was the the match was never really in doubt everybody knew that judgment day was going to retain but there was a couple times they were like oh you know are they really going to uh 
change the titles? Are they going to throw the people of Perth, Australia, a bow in the least important title that's on the line they're going to throw? I don't know. You know, I personally, part of me, part of me wants them to actually split the tag team titles back up into Raw and SmackDown. But then at the same time, there's so many ebbs and flows with the amount of tag teams they have on the roster that's actually active at one time. You don't want them to split it and then, you know, one roster is stronger than the other. Right now, the rate of rosters are set up. You have two strong divisions or you have a strong division on each brand. But that doesn't mean it's going to stay that way. Now, if they, as long as they, as long as whoever is the champion is a strong champion, and they're strong enough that they have the gravitas to float between the brands, because Judgment Day, they're primarily a raw faction. They don't really show up on SmackDown, but so much. But SmackDown was actually the brand that got their shot at the tag team titles, which leads me to believe that at WrestleMania, there will be a raw tag team that will be vying for the shot for the titles or will be vying for the titles. And I have this, just have this feeling just the way the storyline has gone, especially over the last couple of weeks with Damian Priest really letting it be known to our truth that, Bro, yeah, I was trying to give you the benefit of the doubt. I think you're a funny guy. I think you're hilarious even. But I've been trying to let you know nicely that I don't fuck with you. And I've been trying to hold the wolves off. But you keep on trying my patience time at the time at the time at the time. I don't know which one would be better. Which scenario would be better? Would it would the scenario be better for the Miz and R Truth, Awesome Truth, reuniting and winning the tag team titles at WrestleMania against Judgment Day? Or would this scenario be even better, being the fact that it's really R Truth's storyline? That Damian Priest, who also doubles at doubles as Senor Eyeliner, my bad, Senor. Money in the bank, or Senor Banco Popular goes to cash in at the end of one of the title matches, preferably the Seth Drew McIntyre title match. And our truth is the one who spoils spoils the day and cause Damian Priest not only his opportunity at the World Heavyweight Championship. But of course, send the briefcase as well. I think, to tell you the truth, I think that might be a better payoff for the storyline that they're going with than our truth actually becoming a tag team champion. That's just me. Two reasons. One, I can see this scenario. How about this? As you can tell, I'm not really talking about this match. This match was a great match, it was a great wrestling match. I enjoyed it thoroughly. But, I mean, until, listen, it is what it is. Salt shaker, salt shakers, four salt shakers out of five. But back to my scenario. 
I would like this at WrestleMania. The Miz and R-Truth challenge for the tag team titles. R-Truth loses. Later on that night, Senor Banco Popular tries to cash in. Matter of fact, he tries to cash in on Drew. He gets foiled, and he's not able to officially cash in. Right? Listen, hear me out. Then, at the end of the night, even though part of me is like, do you really want R-Truth in that particular mix? Why not? Because since he's come back from injury, he's been on fire. Meaning, he's been... It's so so refreshing to actually have let him have a storyline that that yeah everybody knows he's goofy or whatever but it's not 24 7 it's not jobberific but after he fails after Banco popular fails to officially cash in against drew at the end of the night cody finally vanquishes the tribal chief the tribal chief and all of a sudden you see Damian Priest walking down that aisle. And right when he officially cashes in, our truth quotes him the cash in and allows Cody to leave unscathed. And Damian Priest stares there with the egg on his face, and our truth is just laughing. But do you really want WrestleMania XL? To go off the air, not focused on Cody, but focused on our truth. I don't know. I don't know. It's a rhetorical question because I actually do know. But shits and giggles, yeah. Our truth being standing tall at the end of WrestleMania XL would be hilarious. And actually, it would be very apropos because our truth. I was actually watching. Um, one of the things they have on. One of the spotlights they have on Peacock under the WWE section, the road to WrestleMania 2001 with Stone Cold. And it goes back. It starts at WrestleMania. I mean, not WrestleMania. Survivor Series 1999. And I hope I keep this in my mind because it's something I really, I, 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 I talked talked about this weekend that I want to bring into this episode. Um, but do you know that our truth was actually wrestling on Survivor Series 2000? Yeah. Do you know who his tag team partner was? The Road Dog. Jesse James. Yeah. That's that's hilarious. And he wasn't our truth back then. He was K Quick. Get rowdy. <laughs> yeah so he's been in the wwe for the majority of 24 years could this be like his gold watch i don't know i don't know but that's where i see judgment day headed that's where i see their path to wrestlemania it's a it's a it's a it's a path that would have a roadblock by the name of R-Truth in it. So either way, he's costing them the tag team titles. He's costing them a world title. He's costing them a briefcase. He's costing them something 
in Philly. And I'm here for it. And like I said, as for the match, for Soul Shakers. Next up. Cody Rhodes y Seth Rollins en la Cámara de Eliminación. What you say? Cody Rhodes y Seth Rollins en la Cámara de Eliminación. I didn't hear you. Cody Rhodes y Seth Rollins en la Cámara de Eliminación. Yeah, you heard him. Cody Rhodes and Seth Rollins was at Elimination, Champion, Elimination Chamber. How did you say it? You said, what did you say? Cody Rhodes and Seth Rollins. Cody Rhodes y Seth Rollins en la Cámara de Eliminación. Cámara Eliminación. Yeah, Cody Rhodes and Seth Rollins was at the Elimination Chamber. They were hosts, or should I say they were guests, on the Grayson Waller Effect talk show, in which um, Grayson Waller, born in Australia, was a babyface in the segment, which kind of, I wonder, did that actually throw off what they had planned because the only thing coming out of this segment besides um the growing resentment that Walla has for Austin Theory and I don't think it's turned I don't think it I don't think they're leaning toward a face turn. No. I don't think they're even leaning toward if anything I could see Walla turning on Austin Theory but Walla pretty much allow Austin Theory to get his ass whooped because Austin Theory snatch was trying to take over the show. But the only thing that came out of this match, I mean, came out of this segment was that Cody Rhodes effectively challenged The Rock to a, to a match. Cody Rhodes is in his feelings about getting smacked, bitch smacked. Bitch slapped by The Rock. And I thought this was going to be, because they pretty much, the way things are lining up, it's a little bit out of order, because they pretty much, since the kickoff, have have alluded to a two-on-two match, a tag team match with Cody and Seth versus Roman and The Rock. Even the promos. The promo preceding this segment was a face-off between Cody and Seth versus Roman and The Rock. So for it just to be pretty much Cody is challenging The Rock and Seth is like, you don't have to go at it alone, brother. Did we really need to go all the way to Australia to do that? Now, of course, you're going to have we're going to have the the response this coming Friday, I guess, on SmackDown because I think I read earlier that The Rock is going to be on the next three SmackDowns, which makes sense because we're definitely on the road to WrestleMania, like now. Not much else to say about the segment, but. Here was another scenario that's going in my head that I had to talk to the good brother Tyler McDowell about. From GI, check out Tyler McDowell, Lincoln, and Brad Winchester. 
gimmick infringement. Each and every late Sunday night, early Monday morning on the YouTube channel of the 19 Media Group and on all, and all, and when I say all, I mean all streaming platforms wherever podcasts are available. I was talking to Tyler over the weekend because he uh, let me know that he was en route to an autograph signing by the one and only Rikishi, Rikishi Fatu, father of the Usos, father of Solo, father of shit. How many other Fatus? And once again, since I was doing, since I was doing some, some uh, going back in the Wayback Machine, watching some throwback episodes. I know it been said or it been rumored for last couple of years, and I know Rikishi himself has tried to um, insert himself into these, into the storyline, the bloodline storyline, because like literally. For at least two years, the bloodline was had two of his sons. Then for the last year and change, it's had three of his sons plus the cousin. So why wouldn't the father be in play? But I'm looking back, and this goes back to Survivor Series 99, in which Stone Cold got ran over, and he was preparing himself for a triple threat match against Triple H and The Rock for the World Championship, the WWE Championship. He effectively got eliminated. He returned 10 months later with revenge on his mind and the whole who done it, who ran over Stone Cold. And they did a swerve for swerve's sake because everybody, all the, all the fingers, all the hours were pointing at Triple H. Because, like, why wouldn't Triple H be behind it? Why wouldn't Triple H do it? And I remember, like it was yesterday, October 2000, when it was found out that Rikishi was the one who ran over Stone Cold Steve Austin. They had a very short feud in which Stone Cold bludgeoned and bloodied Rikishi. And I think... Looking back, part of the reason why it never grabbed, right, never really garnered any long sustaining heat, there's two reasons. One, yet Rikishi, being this heel, still walking around with the thong on. How are you supposed to be a bad man? A bad man. And you uh you're walking around with a thong. You hear it. Then then it came out that Rikishi was working for the cerebral assassin, Triple H. And Rikishi was told by Triple H to run Stone Cold down to get Stone Cold out of there. And Rikishi's rationale on why he would go along with this. Even though, remember, this happened before Rikishi actually debuted on the scene under this persona because everybody knew about, you know, Fatu, you know, give Fatu a chance. Samoan SWAT scene Fatu. Uh, everybody knew about that. Head shrink of Fatu. 
But the reason why he was able to rationale, rationalize him helping Triple H to take out Stone Cold was it was going to help his family. It was going to help his people. It was going to help The Rock. Yes. Why was it going to help The Rock? How was it going to help The Rock? Because Rikishi said, when he admitted to doing it, he said, I did it for The Rock. I did it for the people. And Rock was like, you didn't do that shit for me, which is very, it brings everything full circle, full circle. 25 years later, Rikishi, father of the Usos, father of Solo, father of Jimmy, uncle of Roman, I guess. He put his career on the line for the Samoan dynasty. And what did Rock do? Rock said, nah, he ain't doing that shit for me. I don't need your help. Nah, I ain't fucking with y'all like that. I got Hollywood dreams. He didn't say it, but that's pretty much what he implied. Like, I ain't down with that nigga shit. Listen, call Spade a Spade. Then, for 25 years later, for him to join up with Rakishi's sons and their cousin, his cousin, in the name of the bloodline, he said the Rock joins the bloodline. If you smell what the bloodline is cooking, except he said, if you smell what the bloodline is cooking, I don't know what's this supposed to be. What the L was supposed to be for line? This is supposed to be the B? And this is supposed to be the L? The BL? Remember. Remember. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm talking some shit right now. Remember when, matter of fact, it's looking at me dead in my face. Okay, when he joined the nation, the nation was about the culture. The nation was about the people. The Rock made it about himself. The Rock said, the Rock says, the Rock says, Rock says, know your damn role. The Rock made it about himself. It was no longer the nation of domination when the Rock became the leader in which he ousted Farouk. The Rock said, you know what? It's the nation. It's not a it's not a black thing. It's not a white thing. The Rock was the original All Lives Matter. Y'all not looking, y'all not looking at shit through these through the same visual that I'm looking at through looking things through. The Rock said. Nah, we're not, we not going to be on no militant shit. This faction is about 
watching my back. Either y'all gonna roll with me or y'all gonna stay with him. And guess how he got Kama Mustafa, who turned into the Godfather. Guess how he got sexual chocolate to turn. How he got Dito Brown to turn. He gave these motherfuckers Rolexes. He said, nah, we ain't about the culture. Sellouts. Here, take this bread. Get this old nigga out the way. It's the time for a new nation. Remember, he integrated the nation. He brought in the whitest mother effort you can see. Owen Hart from Calgary, Alberta, Canada. He gentrified the nation of domination. And now he's trying to do the same thing with the bloodline. Y'all don't see this shit for what it is? The Rock is not about the ones. He don't want to be the one. No, he don't want to be we the ones. He wants to be the one. I'm telling you, I'm telling you. Look, he calling he calling everybody a Cody crybaby because he tried to maneuver and he got outmaneuvered by the man. And now, since he got outmaneuvered by the man, by the American nightmare, the 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 living embodiment of of Homelander. Now he wants to go with the now he wants to go with the family. Now he's all family. He's all about the family, right? He's all about the people. He's all about. Look at my bloodline. Look at my dynasty. Look at my family. Where the fuck were you in the last couple of years when your family was hollering at you? When, when Roman was building up the family? He conveniently put Roman to the side like. Like my man right here. He said, he done stitch Roman out the family. Listen, y'all, listen, y'all, y'all stay asleep if y'all want. Stay woke. Stay woke. And stay tranquilo at the same time. Not tequila. Tranquilo. 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 Oh. But, no, the, 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 the original meaning of woke was don't let these motherfuckers rock you to sleep. Not this co-optive, not this co-optive shit that 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 the Republicans are doing and, and, and everybody, I'm not look. I'm not getting into politics right now because I'm on my wrestling shit. But that's the original meaning of stay woke. Don't let them rock you to sleep. Don't fall for the Matrix. The Rock is part of the Matrix. He's an agent. Trust and believe. Trust and believe. I'm telling y'all. 
Wrestle at the end of WrestleMania, y'all gonna see what the fuck I'm talking about. I'm telling y'all, mark my words on February 26th, Monday, February 26th, 2024. Mike Steph, the spouse chief, said what I said. My name is my name. I'm standing on business. <laughs> Drew McIntyre won the men's elimination chamber by vanquishing such as such people as LA Knight, who I'll actually get in touch, I'll get into later because to tell you the truth, Drew just took advantage of LA Knight. Bobby Lashley, who hopefully didn't really seriously injure his shoulder because he was putting some F-bombs that got bleeped out and they had to have a couple people come in. But looking at looking at it, looking backwards at it, like, uh, I saw, now we know why all the referees were in because they wanted to use that as the extraction, as the distraction for a certain hater to come into the ring and cause LA night. We had Logan Paul, Kevin Owens, Randy Orton. Drew McIntyre, it says, Drew McIntyre wins the men's chamber. Who's going to be next in his prayers? Because Drew has been savage. Drew said he prayed for the day that he could get back at CM Punk. He prayed that CM Punk would not be able to finish his quote-unquote story. And guess what? CM Punk, WrestleMania main event dreams died at the hands of Drew McIntyre. He prayed for the day that he would be able, he would be able to uh, make sure that Jay Uso never accomplishes his dreams. And guess what? Jimmy prevented Jay for accomplishing his first single title last week. It seems like whenever Drew McIntyre has you in their prayers, has you in his prayers, some nefarious you-know-what happens. This match, to me, I'll get off top out of Soul Shakers. I'll give this a four-and-a-half Soul Shaker rating. It had a lot more story going into it perhaps than the women. Um, you had Logan Paul and Kevin Owens having their mutual hate society with each other. You had Randy Orton in his ninth record-breaking record, record breaking ninth elimination chamber appearance going in with a tender back, because he's still coming off back surgery. He's still coming off being gone for 18 months. And his selling in this match was impeccable. Like, to the point that I'm looking at this, and I'm like, ooh, damn, did he really tweak his back? Like, yo. I mean, common sense would tell me that if they're not removing him from the match, there's got to be selling. But his selling was just that good that I was actually, you know, uh, worried about his well-being. 
You had Logan Paul being the dick that he is. I mean, how's this for heel work? You've never seen this before, and you'll probably never see it again. And I really don't want to give no props to Logan Paul, but when it comes to being a heel, I look, I said it from jump. Well, I thought it from jump. It's a natural heel. He's a heel in real life. It's a natural heel. And once he started leaning into his real personality, gold. How are you going to draw on your chamber pod a big fat circle and say, Kevin, this is you, you fat bitch? <laughs> like, the amount of trolling in that is top notch. I ain't gonna lie. And and this and this and the part about him and Kevin Owens's disagreements is me personally, I don't know if it's strictly working or Kevin Owens really doesn't like Logan Paul. Like he really has a problem with Logan Paul, but he's gonna be professional enough to work with him. We really don't like him. And just that that amount of realism or that little tinge of realism is magnifique. Bobby Lashley, unfortunately to me, as much as as dominant as he was, and I guess this was supposed to be his return to prominence in the main event tier. I don't know. It seems like for the last year, they've just had Bobby Lashley just chilling. On one hand, I appreciate the fact that y'all had nothing good for him. Let him chill. Don't don't downgrade him. Don't put him in any type of programs that's going to take the shine off him. If y'all got nothing top tier, let him chill. But in this match, you're looking at it and you're like, everybody kind of has a story except for Bobby. I mean, Bobby's just the almighty. Maybe, like, and like I said, maybe Bobby's story was, all right, this is my beginning back to the top. He did bring, he did tell Drew, yeah, you talk about all this WrestleMania, you which boy, you want to have your WrestleMania moment. Guess what? I had my WrestleMania moment. I had it with fans at WrestleMania when I beat none other than you. So, me a bag of shells when it comes to you. Fuck about you. The almighty. So, it got down to three. Okay, it came, matter of fact, it came down to four. Maybe. I don't know. All I know is AJ Styles was not on the card whatsoever. And he caused LA Knight the victory. I mean, nobody thought LA Knight was going to win, but that allowed LA Knight to actually have a path to WrestleMania, maybe. Because is LA Knight versus AJ, AJ Styles a WrestleMania match? Or is that 
maybe a SmackDown before WrestleMania match, you know, uh, WrestleMania SmackDown. Because according to all the dirt sheets, everybody thought that it was a foregone conclusion that it was going to be LA Knight versus Logan Paul because of the interaction they had a couple months ago. It seems like they have different plans for Logan Paul. Maybe LA Knight was too low on the totem pole when it comes to WrestleMania matches for Logan Paul. It seemed like they pivoted away from that potential matchup to Logan Paul versus Randy Orton for the U.S. Championship. Does Randy Orton need the U.S. Championship? No. But at the same time, if you want, you're going you're gonna to have Logan Paul on WrestleMania, and you need a spot for Randy Orton. Randy Orton didn't come all this way to be left off of WrestleMania, and he's healthy. So they had the interaction they had in the, in the chamber. Logan Paul pulls out the brass knucks. And he's going through all the histrionics of like, yeah, I'm about to knock this mother effer out. And then Randy Orton catches him with the RKO out of nowhere and pins Logan Paul. One, two, three. To leave it to Randy Orton and Drew McIntyre. Drew started the chamber out with LA Knight. So he's he's fully lathered up. And they go back and forth, him and Randy. Randy's telling the hell out of his back. Drew is really doing a number to the back. Randy fights from beneath. And he's about to win. He's about, he's setting up Drew McIntyre for RKO to punch his ticket to WrestleMania. Any other year, Drew, um, any other year, that Randy Orton was out for 18 months and he comes back, best believe he's going to be in one of the WrestleMania main events. Not this year. But still, being the fact that he is who he is, you can't put that to bed. Even though the the storyline is like, yeah, everybody knows Drew should win because he has the history with Seth right now. Where you want to go back? Randy has history with Seth also, a little further back. So there's that little tinge of doubt. And guess who comes in and course Randy Orton his shot, his chance at main eventing, or at least getting a world title shot against Seth Rollins. That's right. That scumbag, Logan Paul. He knocks Randy Orton out with the power to punch. And Drew McIntyre crawls over and defeats Randy Orton, pins him one, two, three, to punch his ticket to get his third opportunity. Hopefully, three is the charm. His third opportunity at the World Heavyweight Championship. His third opportunity to actually finish his story of winning in front of fans. Because his time was in front of nobody. Hmm. The whole 
arc of Drew McIntyre's turn was he felt that him doing things the right way got him no results. He was supposed to uh, realize his dream when he had Roman Reigns dead to rights at Clash at the Castle in front of his family. And the bloodline took that away from him. He hated Jay or the adoration that Jay Uso was receiving after he turned over New Leaf because he's like, no, you cost me my dream. I don't care who forgives you. I don't forgive you. Oh, Sammy, you're the reason this mother F is here? Guess what? Me and you got beef too. And isn't it ironic that especially over the last two weeks or over the last week, he beat Cody Rhodes this past Monday on Monday Night Raw due to interference by Solo Sokoa member of the bloodline and he gladly took that victory he had numerous pins during the chamber due to other people's nefarious actions and he gladly took that victory this goes back to crown jewel when he had Seth dead to rights and he allowed his compassion to get the best of him and he did not go for the kill and he said that will never happen again even though it happened again at day one. Third time's the charm. Will he have his hand raised in front of fans? But this time, these fans that he craved the adoration of will not be in his corner. Is he a hypocrite? Eh, maybe, maybe, or maybe he's just like you know what? I tried things the I tried things the right way, and guess what? That got me. That got me nowhere. Got me nowhere whatsoever. So he said, you know what? F that. F that. By any means necessary. Maybe maybe Drew McIntyre should start a new nation of domination. By any means necessary. Because I know who it could be who could be his second in command. You wanna know? Wait on it. AJ Styles. Is AJ Styles the hater of the year? For all my people listening, AJ Styles traveled 12, 16. 24 hours, went three quarters of the way around the world. He had no business being in Australia. He wasn't doing no promotional tour. He just said, you know what? That mother effer, L.A. Knight, will not be great on my watch because this is the house that A.J. Styles built. A.J. Styles is forever going to have a grudge against L.A. Knight because, according to A.J. Styles, 
L.A. Knight walked over his lifeless caucus and took what was his, which was a tag team tag team match against Roman Reigns and Solo. And not only that, he parlayed that into a world, well, a universal championship match at Crown Jewel. All things that AJ Styles believes was rightfully his. AJ Styles said, you know what? Ain't no fun if the homies can't have none. Once your shit pushed in, <laughs> but no, AJ should be is well, I, I believe he's hater of the year so far. Two and a half months in, he gotta be hater of the year. How much hate do you have to have in your blood? In your blood, in your veins. How much hate do you have to have to get on a flight? And just make sure that this mother effing out here ain't winning. He's let the hate consume him. He's almost like Anakin at this point. Don't let the hate consume you. No, the hate's consumed him. And you know who's Padme in the story? The Universal Championship. You stole Padme from me. <laughs> Obi, you stole Padme. You lied to me. AJ, you should. They, I swear, if I was, if I was more technically, te te technically savvy, I would, and and. and I would transfix the head of AJ Styles on the picture of Anakin when he was getting burnt by the lava and half his body was burnt off and he was still crawling to Obi-Wan because Obi-Wan, I hate you! AJ got that Sith in him. Like, I know what the Sith is. I know how the Sith are. I'm no longer considering myself a Sith because it's just a lot of energy to have that amount of um, anger in you. I'm not Jedi either. No. I, look, Jedi, the Jedi, the Jedi they're, they're full of shit also. But I digress. Where does this lead AJ? Like I said, I don't see this being a WrestleMania program. Maybe it's a pre-show. Because for LA Knight to have this rise and for it to become WrestleMania time, remember last year, everybody wanted him on the cart last year. They wanted him on, was he on SummerSlam? I think, I don't remember if he was on even on the SummerSlam card. But there was a couple cards last year that he should have been on and the crowd wanted him because he was at his peak. I think that peak is starting to come back down, but he's still popular. But AJ versus LA and Philly. Like I said, maybe it's a, maybe it's a maybe it's a pre-show match. 
maybe they actually have a pre-show match um night one and night two because i can't see them going more than seven matches deep each night if that like this card that i'm talking about right now is a four match card five five match card plus a segment it went three and a half hours which was insane which i'll talk about in a very few minutes but yeah hey 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 Hey, 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 hey. Last but not least, the main event of the Elimination Chamber, Perth, was Rhea Bloody Ripley. Successful homecoming, retaining the woman's, the women's world title, the women's world championship against Nia Jax. Look at that. Look at Nia. Look at Rhea. I wonder, and this is going to be so tasteless, but so be it. Does Rhea call herself Rhea Bloody Ripley once every 30 days? Just asking. I mean, you know, let's say Buddy that time and he's like hey babe Rhea you know um, I need to put some skews on the Barbie and Rhea's like not today buddy today is Rhea Rhea bloody Ripley and buddy's like me not care right like special all through the night and Rhea's like hold your horses mommy is always on top anyway this match i will give four salt shakers out of a scale of five it wasn't the most technically savvy match it wasn't a masterpiece This is the scale that I'm giving it. And once again, I'm going to I'm going to mention this cocksucker's name. Brian Alvarez. He said this is one of the worst matches he's seen. The worst performances he's seen out of Nia Jax. Everything she did was wrong, was bad, blah 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 blah. She ruined the match. I'll say this. I'm going to take the opposite stance for this reason. Nia Jax, anybody who knows me, as a matter of fact, I won't say anybody, but my daughter, Mina Van K, my son, Chef Mix, they know I am not a Nia Jax fan. But I will, I would definitely say, over the last month or two, she's earned my respect. She's gotten herself in a phenomenal shape. Um, after that initial, I wouldn't say botch, but that mission, that initial miscue at the very beginning of her uh, a return, in which she legitimately hurt Rhea. 
with the with the splash. Um, and overcoming her reputation of being a reckless worker. For them to even put allow Nia Jax to be in this position to main event a PLE, to main event a PLE out of the country, that's a marquee, that's a marquee event. No matter whether it was against Rhea, the hometown conquering hero or not, for her to be put in this position, because there's plenty of other women on that roster that they could have put in this position. But they made sure that this lead up of dominance, remember, she's beaten Becky. She's beaten numerous opponents in this lead up. Even on the house house show circuit. She's carried matches. So for her to be in this moment was a thank you, was a clap, was a Adam girl for the work that she's done on this return. Because I ain't going to lie, when I saw Nia Jax back on my screen, I'm like, oh, this broad. But now to me, and not the fact that she needs my, you know, my acceptance. But now when I see her on the scene, when I see her on the screen, the heat that I have for her is not get off my screen heat. It's, wow, now you're going to be on some bullshit. I'm here for it. Rhea being the conquering, the hometown conquering hero. Like. I mean, everybody knew what was going to happen. Nia was not walking into WrestleMania as the champion. Now, there was that little little tinge of doubt of, well, you know, you could have Becky versus Nia at WrestleMania, but where would that leave Rhea? Rhea is not holding this championship for almost a year, going on a year to be left out of the cold at WrestleMania, barring injury. So even that tinge of doubt was tainted. Like I said, the match, it was a, it was a strong, it was a strong woman match. Rhea was showing off her strength, but also showing off her agility and actually having to play the baby face in peril, which is not something that she does very often because nine times out of ten, she's the most dominant looking person the nominate being in said ring, in said match. In this case, well, in this match, it wasn't the case. So Rhea retains. She goes on to face Becky at WrestleMania in a match that I'm quite sure they're going to tout the man versus mommy. But And I know this is all, this is always just a, a a one a one shot thing because you know she was at she was in Australia and I, I actually forgot Nia Jax was born in Australia so this is technically a homecoming for her too I think she was born in Australia grew up in Germany and resides in the and resides in the states so it was pretty much an all Australian born main event. 
where does this leave Naya? Well, if you think about it, she has a win victory over Becky. If Becky wins, which I'm thinking is probably leading to her winning, because for some reason I'm I can see a scenario where Becky wins, draft comes, Rhea gets split up or Rhea splits from the judgment day. She goes over to SmackDown for just a uh live, live lively up the mix and naya stays on the roar and naya is becky's first challenger because now naya has a win over so that gives her right to challenge and becky wants to avenge her loss from a couple months ago everything is nice and even everything is nice and clean so yeah that my friends brings us to the end of the WWE Elimination Chamber 24 recap. I sometimes I actually long for the days that it used to be such and such half ass such and such review or half ass preview or half ass whatever, but has a button up the top. You know, can't have no nothing half ass. But if it's half ass, then you know. Um, I would normally say that brings us to the end of another edition, but we're not finished. I'm not done. I'm not done. I am not done at all. Because I still got some shit to get off my chest. I continue to uh, watch New York Undercover. Yeah, this is yeah, this is the continuation of what I was talking about last uh, a couple weeks ago, and a couple weeks ago I was like, uh, I was watching New York Undercover, binge watching it, and. I have plenty of reasons of why it's certain individuals who for some reason I don't see right now, but there's certain individuals that really grind my gears. And for some reason they're 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 they're, they're not on my they're not on my thing. But Here's one individual that actually surprisingly takes the uh is making the list. Everybody knows about JC. Everybody knows about Eddie Torres. Um, everybody knows about Nina. Everybody knows about Lou, you know, Lieutenant Cooper, who story arc has really gotten very interesting. Cause I'm up to season three, toward the end of season three, when uh when the when when the when the white dude, the Irish dude, McMara joined the cast, right? But this dude right here, Lil G, he's starting to get into Tyreek levels of dislike from me. Because, okay, I get it. You're a little ups. All right, matter of fact, I don't get it. Your pops is a cop, your mom. 
is doing everything as a single parent. Well, it's doing everything in her pop in her capability to make sure you stay on a straight and narrow. The two of them together put you into this private school, and you and your feelings because your mom and your pops ain't together, but yet they're still co-parenting, right? He want he wanted he wanted what's called he wanted he wanted to run around the hood so bad. JC had to put the paws on. And G was trying to rise up. And JC like, nah, little nigga. Do not play with me. I will take you out this school and put you in, because you ain't, you ain't about that. Now you got Torres and Nina. They which got it on again, off again. Torres treating Nina like shit. Then get mad because Nina don't want to F with him. And then which go then he come start groveling back. I think I'm getting closer to the death of Torres. Which, tell you the truth, won't be a sight for sore eyes at all when I see it. Lieutenant Cooper, this season, she's gone from, you know, tough-hearted um, lieutenant of Precinct 4 to a broad that's hoeing around on her faithful husband at home and dealing with this other, I think, I don't know if he's captain, lieutenant or whatever, but pretty much a co-worker and they having rendezvous and now went to, went to home life, started having turmoil. All of a sudden, she started treating Torres and, and JC like shit. She start, which course she start treating Nina like, like, well, actually no, she's she still, she still gives Nina the benefit of the doubt. But Torres and Williams, he wants some like, yo, I don't like, I don't like your minority asses anyway. Look, I got problems at home. My husband filed for divorce because I was giving up the nappy dugout to Captain, you know what? Captain Lou, Captain Lou, Captain Lou, all right, Captain Lou, Captain Lou Albano. Let's just call him that. McNamara, with his prejudice ass, with his bias ass, with his bigoted ass, saying little shit, but, you know, Torres and, and Williams get him back. Because he's pissed off because he found that his, his pops was a, his pops wasn't a rat, but his pops was a corrupt cop that got murked by the Chinese triad. But, yeah, 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 yeah. G, G needs to, G needs to calm the fuck down. And here's, here's a little known fact that I didn't even realize. Was it what was the name of it? Me and the kids, me and my kids, with Damon Rains and and uh, Tisha Campbell back in the day. I didn't realize this little big head my effer was Damon Rains' son and me and my kids. My daughter Mia, the lovely Mia. Was watching, was been watching that, and I look, I was like, "Yo, yo, he's, yo, I, I never realized because I didn't really watch me and my kids." So sorry, sue me. It just was my cup of tea by that time. I was, I was outside. No, <laughs> I was fucking working before before you had a TV in the palm of your hands. But yeah, I didn't realize that he was the slow mo mother effer that was on me and my kids. Makes a lot of sense. Look at this picture. Don't he look like? Don't he look like he inhabits one of those trailers that's usually in the outside of the outside of the school? 
Not for overcrowding. Don't he look like the big slow? It's the big slow in your town. <laughs> yeah, I'm just on some bullshit. But Ice T. Yeah, Danny. Danny, uh, Danny Up. <laughs> Yo, the generic names that they had. Danny Up. <laughs> like, like, were we that corny in the 90s? Every time, like, I he his which go his story arc is passed. But every time I saw Danny up, I had to realize that this was still Ice T at the very beginning of his acting career. So this is before he had speech counseling. So Danny up had a very large list. He's like, DC, DC, I'm gonna y'all gonna murder them. I'm gonna murder DC. Yo, he murdered my brother. I got yo, I got no love for DC. I don't got no love for the cops. <laughs> Go figure that the man who made Cop Killer over 30, 35 years ago made his career in TV and in movies as a cop. Fit, Fintutuola. Came from Danny Up. The same creator of New York Undercover went on to make Law and Order. And guess who he brought along for the for the ride? That mother effer, Danny Up. Now, I would, I would continue my story on what happened at Jimmy's. Famous steakhouse, or Jimmy's famous seafood. But tell you the truth, I was a little long-winded earlier, and being the fact that I'm approaching two hours on this podcast, guess what I'm going to do? Fuck your story. <laughs> no more story. Ain't not ain't, ain't gonna be no story. Let's just let just just be just know that I had a great time. In Maryland, I don't know. Next time I'm gonna go down to Maryland, I might be passing through or passing over. Cause shit, next time I go, next time I go below the Mason Dixon line, I probably won't be dropping. You know what? I'm lying because probably the next time I go to see my grandkids in v VA, I will be dry driving. I ain't taking a plane down there. But next time I go to NC, I will not be. I will not be driving. Huh? Yeah. I won't be driving. Fuck your story. But yeah, so. <laughs> Look at Stitch on the side. He's on the side like, yo, Mike, yo, why, why you, why, why you just violated? Like, how you gonna, how you gonna tell us that the story is gonna be continued at the end, and then at the end. You pretty much, you swerved us. Well, it is a wrestling-centric episode. What did you think? You thought there was, was going to be a swerve? Who? thought there was going to be a swerve? And if I like to do, that would go into a song, a song and dance, but nah, ain't doing it, ain't doing it, ain't doing it. So, 
What does that mean? What does that mean? I'll tell you exactly what that means. If I could get it, get it, get it, get it good. That brings us to the end of another edition of the Salty Thoughts of Mike's Step Podcast. I'd like to thank each and every one of y'all for making me and this here podcast the one y'all choose to view and the one y'all choose to listen to. Next week will be more of me talking the mucho amount of crap for maybe a short amount of time. But as I always say, the dick is long and so is the podcast. Like I said, I like to thank each and every one of y'all for making me the podcast y'all choose to view and the podcast y'all choose to listen to. Um, next week, like I said, I have no idea. I have no idea, no other idea, no idea on earth what the hell I'm going to talk about. But guess what? It will definitely be interesting and it will definitely be worth your time. Check out the Salty Thoughts of Mike's Step Podcast, the audio version available on the following platforms Spotify. Apple Podcasts, and Amazon Music. New episodes drop on Wednesdays. Check me out on the social medias at Mike Steffens, double underscore on X, formerly known as Twitter, at Mike, double underscore Steph on the gram, and Mike, and at Mike Steph, single underscore on TikTok. Check out, once again, my brothers from Gimmick Infringement, Winchester, from Gimmick Infringement, each and every late Sunday night, early Monday morning on the YouTube page of the 19 Media Group and all streaming platforms ever podcasts are available. Check out my bro, my partner on Hidden Jets Football, who will not be back until who knows when, maybe after the draft, maybe after free agency, who knows, but that show is hosted by the Mojo King and myself, Mike Steph. New episodes were dropping every Thursday. And they are available on the YouTube channel of the 19 Media Group. Go check out the archives. We now we got two, two, two official seasons worth of episodes. You'll be glad you did. But if you're not in the mood to do that and you just want to try to throw some money at a random bet, check out my bro, the Mojo King, and his audio podcast, Hidden Gems Golf, available on all streaming platforms, wherever podcasts are available. Yeah, man. Well, um, I really had a good time. I didn't, re- I really t- trust and believe. I really didn't think I was going to go almost two hours. But like I said before, and I said it again, if it was too fucking long, go into the description under the chapter and fish around as long as it's more than a minute and i get my views i'm cool with that now let me stop it's never been about views with me never been about listens downloads whatever because if that was the case i would have quit years ago i do this because i want to i do this because i like it i do this because i care and um hopefully you care enough to uh listen if you don't it's your loss not mine because guess what I'm going to keep rolling, rolling, rolling on. Today is long. So, 
Stitch, you got anything to say? Because I'm I'm rambling for rambling's sake. You don't got nothing to say? Guess not. One last thing, and this has nothing to do with anything. And tell you the truth, I probably shouldn't even say this until next week. And next week is more it should be more like an introductory thing, but starting tomorrow, I gotta get back on my on my diet. Do you know that I've gained a pound and a half in the last week and a half? Not good. I'm officially 199.8. Last week, at the beginning of my vacation, I was 198.4. So that's officially like a, a pound and a half. It should be rectified because my wife made me some greens, some collard greens. Well, she didn't make me, but she made some collard greens, some baked macaroni and cheese, and some turkey wings. Everybody knows what they say about collard greens. Collard greens are good for the system. Collard greens make you shit. So all I need is one good movement. And that pound, out of here. Back to 198, baby. <laughs> yeah, so, of course, I had to end up on that note. And um, I'd like to give a shout-out to me. I'd like to give a shout-out to you. I'd like to give a shout-out to all my well-wishes, family, and et cetera. So until next week, I'm getting out of here because I didn't spend two minutes talking about not a damn thing. Um, yeah, like I said, till next week. Goodbye. Damn, I'm hungry. You know what? Since I forgot that I got pressed this twice, you see what happens when I when I take time off. Let me know in the comments. Yeah, because I'm a conceited mother effer. Let me know in the comments comments what you think about this color coordination. You haven't seen this, have you? Guess what? Because this is a one of one. You probably won't see this shit. You know how long I've had this hat? I've had this hat for uh, maybe about eight, nine years. And I've probably worn it twice. But this combination, along with that picture, along with this border, who, tell you the truth, I need to get on the phone or get in the inbox with Mr. Winchester and see if he can, you know, Give me an update. Yeah, I'm just like I said, I I'm so so vain. I'm so vain. I'm so vain when it comes to my face, when it comes to my head. I'm so vain. Goodbye. <laughs>
Yes, I'm funny like the clown, but I'm never down. A normal 